All right, y'all got your Bibles? Just say yeah. On your phone, in your lap, on your iPad, wherever you may have it. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and um, these next three weeks, so today and the next two following, and then um, we'll be off, and then after that we'll be back at this. And I'm going to introduce to you... um, Different concepts every week. Today's more of like an intro into the first part of this. And next week, I'm going to mess with your mind just a little bit um, and help you understand the wording of this because the wording in the way that we translate isn't the way it translates. And so I'm going to just mess you up a little bit. Um, And we're going to be talking about um, the Sermon on the Mount. And so I called it Summer on the Mount. And since it's summertime, right? Aren't you glad it's summertime? Listen, yesterday I saw some Canadians. And I let them know that we would like them to put out their wildfires because we're, you know, we're breathing in their air. They told me they couldn't do anything about it. And so um, anyway, we should be praying for that. And, and hopefully you're being careful. But uh, I want to just say this in, in, in start. I want you to get the picture. I think sometimes it's important for us to understand the picture of what's happening here. And Jesus did function in a certain way. There are things that he did that were intentional. And so really today, if you can still imagine, I want you to imagine a mountain. I want you to imagine the side of a a hillside. And Jesus did this, because this scripture is clear about this and the structure of it and the way that it happened. And that was, is that he first took his disciples and kind of went high up, because we understand in that day they didn't have microphones and such, and he went kind of high up and he, he brought his disciples around him so that they were kind of the first people. And then if theologians understand it well, He was speaking to them and then those that were behind them and then the disciples were turning around and speaking down the hill and the message was kind of echoing throughout the valley. Because we're going to learn that there were crowds that followed him in this particular moment. In fact, they always followed him. But church, there's some words here that I think we have to hold on to and we have to live to and are so easily stepped away from. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 5, verses just 1 through 3. And why don't you stand up for the reading of God's word today. This is Jesus. He sees the crowds. We just mentioned that. He sees the crowds. He went up. That's a key statement. He went up. It may not seem like it, but it's a key statement. So seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he said these words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God, today, God, you know that my heart has just been so led to and drawn to the red letters in the Bible. I'm sure the people today are saying, my goodness, we just keep getting preached out about the red letters. And and I just think there's something to it. I think what you've placed in my heart, Lord, considering the words that you spoke to us in person are key for us to understand. And so today, Lord, come, just as we just sang, come Holy Spirit, move in a way that we haven't seen before. Help us to understand in a way we haven't understood before. And God, come against the enemy in the name of Jesus and let your power and presence be here today. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Okay, so I want you to get this. First of all, there was crowds, and so I keep encouraging you. Jesus brought words of life, and words of life that are beyond what any person can say should draw people. 
Jesus drew people because he was a life giver. So everything he said, everything he did brought life and people recognized it. People saw it. And since Jesus is in you, people should be drawn to you. Are people drawn to you? You, you can answer that, or maybe the person next to you who knows you best can answer that, or maybe your best friend can answer that, but people should be drawn to you. People were just naturally drawn to Jesus. Now, there's something here that's key, and I don't want you to forget it at all, and, and this isn't a replacement, but it's important for us to know that this word went up was only translated and only spoken about three times in the Bible. One is when Jesus went up to the mountain to preach. Two was in Exodus 19.3 and Exodus 24.15. And you know who went up the mountain? Same translation was Moses. Yes, okay. Now why is that significant? You've got to understand that the people of the day, the people that Jesus was preaching to, they held on to the Torah, which was given by God to Moses And now Jesus, in this very fashion, in the way that it's translated, which what it tells us is that this was significant. It's why the disciples came and sat. Because what Jesus did, and I I want you to kind of get this picture, and I've actually done it a lot of times here. There's that moment in the wedding where the father brings down the bride. I can't even, it doesn't matter what wedding it is, I can't not cry because I'm like, look, when that happens to me, I, I'll just be belly balm. But anyway, it doesn't matter who it is. I cry and the, 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 the dad comes up with the bride and then the, the pastor steps down and the, the groom steps down and there's kind of this handshake. And then it, it switches. Church, this is the same thing. Jesus went up. He didn't replace Moses because Jesus is Jesus. But he said, I am the authority. He actually, in his actions, and the way, what we understand is the way it translates, is that people understood. It's why crowds just flocked, because at that moment, he was saying, I know that you know the words of Moses, but here is the great I am. And so he went up and sat at the seat where Moses sat. Why? Because when Moses went up, he went where? To meet with God and to bring his message. And so Jesus went up to be with God and to bring the new word, the new revelation, the new era, the new time, which was this personal relationship with Jesus Christ that brings you into the avenue of getting to heaven and being with God. And so it's a significant moment that we often just kind of wash over. But for the people there who would have been like, my goodness, you know, in a wedding, it is, it is saying like, hey, dude up here, she's now yours. Everything that comes with her, I mean, I'll support you, right, Dave? And I'll wave from a distance and love you. But now it's all, if you're married, you understand like that. I'm just kidding. I won't go any further. I'm just messing around. Um, significant moment. And the people got it. Why? Because scripture tells us that they sat. They sat. That was a significant move in the New Testament. They didn't say anything. They understood that Jesus was now stepping into the authority. The new word was coming from God. I hope today that a new word is coming to your heart every day. So I want you to think about the first, and we didn't read them all, but we're going to be studying them, but the first, the second, and the eighth beatitude. So we're going to call, can you say beatitude? 
not be an attitude, but like beatitude. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we kind of mix that together. But beatitude, um, three of them refer to circumstances. Now the rest are different, and we're going to talk about them. But three of them, so the first, the second, and the eighth, talk about circumstances. Are you all in any kind of circumstances? All of us, right? I think all of us, if we were to line up and get to the pulpit, we could tell you about something right now that we're going through. That's a circumstance. Well, this first one is talking about a circumstance. And it's incredibly important that we understand. And and interestingly enough, all three circumstantial beatitudes lead to a statement, which is the receiving of the kingdom of heaven. Church, if you live it out, this is the three times that Jesus said, if you do these three things, then guess what you're going to get? And so it's significant the three times that we step into. Okay, recognition. Have you ever been recognized? Okay, well, we're not talking about that. And so it's kind of a different recognition, okay? I want to talk about a different recognition because this actually translates in a different way. It's kind of a a different recognition, and it's the identification of something that you didn't know was present. It's the identification of something you didn't know was present but is necessary. Okay, are you with me? And so here is what Jesus is saying. And we have to get all these set up before we can really understand the last part of the statement that he gave us. He was saying to the people, what you need to understand is that at one time, the words of Moses were all that could fulfill your relationship with God. Now, what you need to understand and what you need to recognize is that the new fulfillment is coming. What he was actually asking the people to understand and to realize is that you have a just natural desire for the Spirit of God to be in you. Because, see, we were created in the image of God. It was kind of torn up by sin. But what we have to understand is that never was the place taken of God. Meaning we were always intended to be a part of and to be in relationship with and be connected by spirit with God. And Jesus was saying, we've set up a system for a long time that, that worked for then, but now the new system is coming in. I need you to recognize that you have a void. Church, I think that in this day, in 2023, June of 2023, we should understand. I've seen it this weekend. I saw it Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. People are looking for something to fulfill that one place that they just can't seem to satisfy. People are seeking satisfaction, not not from the, but from the There's something inside that people are looking for that they're trying to find to fill this void that Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount when everybody realized that now he is saying, okay, thank you, Moses, but I step in. Here today, he's saying, thank you, but I step in. Meaning whatever it is that keeps you from allowing the Spirit to step in, you identify it. He's saying today, I step in. He was saying that day, there is a void that you, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, and all of your ancestors have been seeking to fill. I've come to fill it. And he was saying, I need you to recognize that you have a need for me that was created well before you. So he said this statement, poor 
in spirit. Now, poor is never something that we want in front of our name, right? Because see, in society, if you say that you're poor, it has like a connotation with it. It has a, and yet Jesus is saying he wants us to be poor in spirit. Well, let's talk about it for a second. He's asking us to understand that we should be in a state. What does it mean to be in a state? It means you never come out of it, right? And in some things, that's a horrible thing to say because we don't want to be in a state of depression. We don't want to be in a state of want. And yet here, Jesus, the first beatitude, the first time that he addresses in a way that he says, hey, thank you, Moses, shaking your hand, appreciate you, and now I'm going to take your place of authority and I'm going to say, be poor. Be poor in spirit. Recognize your constant need for me. Church, interestingly enough, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your stage of life. You have a constant need to allow the Spirit of God to come in. And I know you've heard this repeated over and over and over again, but but I'll tell you, I, I wish I could get out to all the world and just say, hey, there is fulfillment and it is real and it is true. I've told the leadership and a lot of people this and people that I discuss, and I want you to get this church. I think the only way we can turn things around is starting with the babies. I think things are pretty far along. And I think all of us sitting in this room, we have a mission to see the very, very tiniest of people in this church understand that the only thing that will fill the void that they'll begin to understand is there is Jesus. And who better to do it than every person sitting in this room who understands their need for Jesus. And if we begin to create babies that turn to two-year-olds, that turn to three-year-olds, to four-year-olds, that when we miss church because we're sick, they say, it's just not the same. And then when they're five and, and you go on vacation and you just sleep through church, right, they say, it's just not the same. You know why? Because at a very young age, they understand their need. And not the church, but you know what I mean. Poor in spirit. He was actually referencing those that understood that they are helpless without the Spirit of God. But see, our society says we are strong without the Spirit of God. We are strong in ourselves But see, the problem is we know that the word tells us that there is something in us that has to be filled. And church, I want you to get this. Jesus started with this. In fact, this scripture is second, I believe, to I I preached on the other one, but second to the most quoted, most repeated scripture in the world over the ages. It's significant. And Jesus said, I need you to understand your need for me. We created it in you so that we could be connected. Now, see, if we look at it at the positive, isn't it cool that God, the creator, said, I want to make a place in you where I reside and we are one. This word humble, I know you're like, pastor, you preach about this a lot. I'm like, I know. Um, Now, what you have to understand here is that he's talking about a humble spirit. See, some of us think poor and it's hard for us to understand. We, we have to understand that our spirit is the vital principle of who we are. 
Meaning it is the one part of us, right, that's going to continue on. It's the part of us that we have the hardest to understand, yet it's going to continue to go on. And interestingly enough, God created this space, and I love this, and if you know Stephen Manley and other people like that, um, they talk about this scripture extensively. Because here's the bottom line, and here's why Jesus started with it. He talked about poor. It's actually a state of being humble. It's a state of allowing the presence of God to come in to keep us, I believe, refining, growing, changing, becoming more and more like Jesus. But what's significant here is that it's about a spirit. Meaning Jesus was revealing to the people that were sitting there, you have a place for a spirit. It has to have a spirit. It either has the spirit of God or it has a spirit of And what does the scripture tell us? There's other spirits. There is the unclean spirit. Are you with me? I mean, we we could list in scripture the different spirits. It tells us in scripture that there is an evil spirit. It also tells us in scripture that there's a fortune-telling spirit. Now, not all spirits that are referenced in scripture actually refer to this one. There's very specific spirits that replace the spirit of God in this way unclean, evil, and fortune. Church, what I'm telling you today is we either have or we have. That's what Jesus was saying. You were created to to have this space that only I can fill. And you will find ways to fill it if you don't fill it with me. Y'all like results? Yes. Just say yes, please. Oh, gosh. Okay, I I like results. And so I believe that one of the mistakes pastors make is that if there's not results and you keep doing the same thing, guess what you're probably not going to get? Results. Okay, so uh, like really random example, we were sitting at lunch at the convention and there was a pastor group behind me. I know one of them, not know him, but know him. And um, he was talking about, we just can't get back from COVID. This is the sad side of it all, but I heard that a lot in the last two days. We just can't get back from COVID. I wanted to turn around and say, well, then whatever you're doing, do something different. Because Jesus didn't stop because of COVID. His spirit didn't stop because of COVID. He's still real. He's still here. And so why not, whatever it is you're doing, then do something else? Because COVID was how many years ago? And so here's the thing, church, is that there is a result. He said, if, you, if you'll really live out a way that's poor in spirit, meaning you always recognize your need for, then you will now receive the kingdom of heaven. Do you know that Jesus does not always speak in a result way? But three times in this passage where he said, I am now going to take the place of authority of Moses, three times he said, if you will, you will receive. And he didn't say in the future. It actually is talking about right then. Meaning if right now you'll receive my spirit. And see, this ties right along with, if you'll remember, eventually the disciples, they decide to get bold enough with Jesus there. And they go out, they come running back and say, Jesus, we did some things in your name. Why? Because the spirit of God was on them. Why was Mary able to never really in scripture, is there any place that says that Mary was this 
or that. Or we make songs that drive me crazy. We make songs about how Mary struggled, yet Mary never told us that. Mary sang a song. You know why? Because the Spirit of God came in and sat and stayed. And she sat and stayed with Jesus right to the cross. You know why? Because she had the special privilege of previous Pentecost receiving the Spirit of God. Come on, Mary. Church, you have the special privilege of having the Spirit of God in you to make you whole, to make you feel. Jesus wouldn't have started with this one if it weren't significant. And then he said, you get a, well, for them, I mean, it had to be hard because there was a pre-reality. There was a pre-reality of basically being in poverty with never really having the ability to get out. As Pastor Joey was doing last Sunday, I thought, okay, God, you are into something because I already had this ready and I thought, okay, here it is saying like, here's the, the limited number and the number got smaller and smaller and smaller who actually got to be in the presence of God. And now Jesus is saying your pre-reality is no longer your reality. Interestingly enough, this is where people struggle. He was saying right then, if you would ask me, you'll receive. Now, eventually down the road, if you look at it chronologically, the disciples caught on and said, oh, you meant right now. Well, let's go try it. Church, he means right now. Wherever you are in want, wherever it is that your spirit isn't settled, wherever it is that you cannot seem to maybe calm down, where, where you cannot seem to get it under control, where you cannot seem to, Jesus is saying right now, right today, right in this place, you can have heaven in your heart. You can have a result. And this is now your post-reality of me saying, here I am, is that here I am. And church, he's still saying, here I am, here I am. Here I am. Your circumstances you may think are dictating, but Jesus said, make your circumstances the reality that I'm presenting today, which is that the kingdom of God. But there has to be a reliance. There has to be a reliance on Jesus. And church, I think this is the crux I thought about it this week and was reading what Stephen Manley was saying. And he said, this is the reliance and this is what the enemy is doing so good. The enemy is saying, you can do it. If you'll just rely, if you'll just seek, if you'll just go deeper, if you'll just. And he's a good, good fooler. He's fooling some of us. But Jesus said, if, if you'll just realize that you have a reliance to always be poor in spirit, which is actually to live, live in a state of humility and humbleness. The problem is we, we put our trust in other things. We seek other things. We place priority on other things. And you know what? I'm all about other things. I'm just going to be honest. Until they go from here to here. Why should we celebrate our kids quizzing? Because the world's going to celebrate them doing everything else. So why shouldn't we celebrate the word of God in their heart and say, okay, I'm all about the, go do sports, go do, but when it goes, tell me that kid isn't going to then live like 
and then have to be our age and, and hear from a pastor that says, wait a minute now. So there's a reward. And church, this reward, and this is where Jesus, we don't like this part of it, but Jesus, it translates as if there's a consolation, there's a reward. We like rewards, don't we? Sometimes. Like a piece of chocolate cake or something like that. You come home and like, you made that for me? Like, yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Jesus said, I'm telling you what I'm about to give you. The reason I'm sitting on, the reason this is translated is because I'm telling you now, you can have more. You, you will get a reward, and not only will you get the reward in heaven, but you can have the reward now, so that in your circumstances, when people say, well, why are you not? Well, it's because of where my, where my God sits. And so I see that through the lens of the Lord God Almighty. The reward is God's constant presence in our life, which is incredibly comforting. And see, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, when they see that peace in you, sometimes they look at it and they rebel and you have to hear those conversations. But I know in their heart they're saying, I wish I. And when they're ready and they come to themselves and say, hey, grandmom, I really want what? I really don't understand why you. I really don't get. You can say, well, sweetie, let me tell you about my God. Because, see, his reward is constant fulfillment, constant understanding, constant relationships. But the results are up to us. We sang the song, Holy Spirit, rain down. God wants to rain down on you. He wants to rain down on you in a way that the rain just overflows and spreads. And that the way that the Spirit of God is just raining down on you, that it just rains on others do you know what washing does? It makes other things not present. The washing of the spirit of that constant engagement, it puts a lot of things out. And that's what Jesus was saying. If you'll just stay in a constant state of understanding that you need me to sit in this place, I will just reign and reign and as he reigns, here's the truth, and I'm not trying to be like some pastors, but God's favor will come. Answered prayers will come. Maybe not tonight, maybe not tomorrow, but as the rain flows, as you step aside, as you live in humility, as you say, I need you, God, I'm telling you, his rain can't help but spill out in those that you love, in those that you're around. In fact, it, it can't even help but rain in your past. It can't even help and rain over your hurt because it just can't help itself. The Spirit of God is a healing spirit. And so, what happens when we live in this way? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs. That's significant. Jesus went like this. Whew. I mean, you, I don't think we realize, like, I, I just, I've been understanding the scripture in a way that's so real. He literally said, I'm about to just take it from here and just pass it on to here. 
He actually said theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what's in heaven? Beauty, purity, health. I mean, it's incredible. And he said, here it is. Do you realize the magnitude of what Jesus is saying here? But it's up to you to make the space. It's up to you to be a humble recipient of his presence. Which it sounds simple. Sounds easy. But you know it's hard, right, to go from. Because what Jesus was saying, my words fulfill every word that he ever spoke. Now, everything that I have everything that I want to speak to you, everything that I want to do in you, it's going to take you putting so that I can. Now just to lead you into next week, so I want you to read this over and over again all the way through to 12. But interestingly enough, the way we translate it, blessed are the, it's actually different. And I'm going to just give you a little something to think about um, and how it translates. And we'll talk about that next week. Um, what really blessedness means. And so church, are you ready to be poor in spirit so that you can be filled with the spirit? And today, church, here's the thing. There there is a space in you that can only be filled by a spirit. We were created that way. So it has a spirit there. Maybe today you need to figure out what that spirit is. Because see, if it's a spirit of God, Anybody you ask that is around you, even if they don't like Christianity or like to talk about that stuff, they should be able to say, well, it's the Spirit of God in you. Well, it's something different in you. Well, I mean, you just... Church, think about what it means to be poor, translated humble in spirit so that Jesus can just... God, we thank you today. We thank you today for your word, for your goodness. But today we specifically thank you for this scene that happened on a hillside where Jesus came and shook hands and moved in the spot of Moses and said, Here I am. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because your spirit is good enough. Your spirit's beyond good enough. It's great, and it's mighty, and it's powerful. And so today, let us step aside so your spirit can come in and reside in that place you created it to be. We love you, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Hopefully, you get to go to Sunday school or be a part of assembly tonight. Have a great afternoon, and continue to pray about our little campaign. just one moment. In all of time If you can't see it